Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And off goes to Penny. Breaks away. There he goes. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Some of the great calls by the home team radio stations from week four always get a little goose bumpy when you hear how excited they get. That's what they're supposed to do. They're catering to the fans of those teams. Our good buddy did, Paul Allen. Oh, I was going to say, oh, did you call Paul? Did you call him? We're like, oh, my gosh, that was such a great call. The Vikings won. Let's have a fun talk together. Is that what you did with them on Sunday? No, I was working. If I wasn't working, maybe I would have been. All right, let's get to it. We'll start with that game that was played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, the Vikings and the Saints. And this is after further review. And this isn't, we're just looking for things we can defecate on. We're looking for calls that we can explain to help people better understand the sport that we all love. Now, with that said, this may have been a bad call. Vikings, Saints, this is a moment In the fourth quarter, key exchange. The Vikings try to get in position for a score. The Saints are up three points at the time, 22-19. Adam Thielen streaking down the left side. The ball is thrown by Cousins, and there's a flag thrown. And it just had that look like, you know, we've seen this before. You're going to have pass interference, but look at that. Missed by number 46, back judge. The face mask pull. 
by Adam Thielen on Marcus Lattimore. So, Chris, that should have been. And that's enough to, to draw the flag. They got rid of the whole incidental versus deliberate years ago. It's a 15-yard foul either way. It should have been offsetting fouls. And they just run the play again from back near midfield. Yeah, I, I know. Well, in more cases than not, they never see what the offensive player does in these situations, which to me is very frustrating. You know, so, yes, I do think that there is pass interference here on Marshawn Lattimore. But to your point, yeah, he obviously he, he puts his hands on his face. It's illegal hands to the face, face mask, whatever you want to say there. No doubt about it. And I just I always feel like in these cases, it's about 95 to 5 as far as who they call the flag on. It's always they see the defense and they don't seem to see the offense. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, it's an annoying part of our game right now. The rules are favored for the offense. Okay, I can deal with that. But then the referees favor the offense, and to me it becomes a little annoying in certain games on Sundays that that bothers me. I mean, that's a key moment. That was a gutsy call by Kevin O'Connell, Vikings head coach and play caller. Third and seven from the 43, and you're down three. That was going to be a 60-yard field goal if you don't complete that pass. But, yeah, and look, I'm a big proponent of active and regular use of technology to assist the officials on the field. There's a lot happening there. Think of everything that the back judge is trying to process in real time. As you've got three bodies in motion, you're looking for pass interference, offensive and defensive, and it's all subjective. It's all a judgment call, and you miss the one thing in it that is objective. Right. Hand on the face mask and the twist of the head is enough to draw a flag, and that's where you can have a more active involvement of Sky Judge to support the guys on the field. Because on the field, we, 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 we play this game every year, and it's, it's not going to change. You're middle-aged. You have no helmet. You have no pads. You're trying to survive. You're trying to see flashes and blurs with the naked eye, and you're going to miss things. You're not going to see everything. No. And you're trying, you're trying to read these bodies to come up with the important decision of whether or not there's pass interference, and you miss the hand. I'm, I'm, he wasn't wrong to miss it. He just did. Yeah. He's human. Yeah. That's why you back it up with the system for finding it. So I hear you there. The that... bottom line was it was just a bad call. Yeah, I, I, it does. And you know what? You know, my other pet peeve of this, this, this whole thing is, and this is a little off topic, but m- m- hear me out a little bit. Like, can we go back to the old days of how DBs used to play the football can we stop the turn into the receiver and not look at the football or try to act like we put our head up as the ball is getting there like we're playing it? Well, what's the point of the other way now? See, I, I understand at a point there was like, well, we're going to play the ball and just do it that way. But nobody, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to play the defender and try to knock the ball out of their hand as the ball gets there. That, that's the thought, right? Can we just give up on that? Because it's either pass interference or there's – not a play on the ball, and they lose sight of it altogether. Where I want to go, wait, it's either, it's 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 a positive for the offense, no matter what. So let's just go back up to looking, playing it like a receiver, and doing it that way. And if they catch the ball, so what? They you probably were going to get pi or let them catch it the other way too. But now you have a chance to actually play it, not get pass interference, and maybe actually get an interception. I'm just I don't know. Just it's something that I see every week, and I go, I'm kind of sick of that 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 taught way by the DB coaches in the NFL. Well, but what makes it strange this year, too, they've got a different emphasis on pass interference, and I, I really don't know where the line is. I know. There. Well, they try to make it like basically early on, and we felt like any contact at all was going to get called, right? 
So that or not get called like there's certain like they're trying to tolerate some of it. I I was very confused as it was being explained to us as to where the line is going to be this year, and I think other people when we were being explained to yeah. what the line is and where it is, I was just kind of, I was just like this could be a crap show this year. So uh, it could be that the standard, who knows what the standard is. And that's that's the reality with the subjective call. Yeah. We don't know what the standard is, and it takes a lot of factors into play. And as the back judge was trying to discern those things, he missed that tug. It should have been offsetting penalties. It should have been third and seven again from the 43. Maybe the Vikings don't convert. Maybe they miss the field goal. Maybe they make it, and it's 22-all, go to overtime, and Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton can play to a tie again like they did several years ago when they met with different teams in London. Let's move on to the Jaguars-Eagles game. Here's an offensive pass interference call on Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard that took a touchdown off the board for his teammate A.J. Brown. Second quarter, Eagles down 14. Now, what you've got is downfield blocking by Goddard and anything more than a yard. And look, there he is. He's down and he's at least blocking the guy before. I mean, you know, this is an example. And people may have been upset that they took the the touchdown off the board. But, Chris, I got no problem with this. He's down there making a block before the guy's got the ball. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this to me has to be officiated a little more strictly, honestly. I mean, come on. It's a running play. The quarterback kept it and then is throwing the ball because he realizes, wait, the defense made the right adjustment, so here's my other thing out here to to get rid of the ball now. So uh, I I have no problem with it either. And, you know, he didn't need to – I think he didn't need to put his hands on him until, you know, again, you have to wait till the ball is thrown. Uh, He just put his hands on him a little early. But between that and lineman downfield, uh, it's another thing where I go – because the RPO game – I see a handful of plays every game who fake a run, and there's a lineman five yards down the field, and there's also a pass down the field. Between that and this right here, the, the, you know, the defense has no advantages. They're constantly screwed over. That has to be called. Even though that wasn't egregious, I know that has to be called. and has to be called more strictly, uh, in my opinion, because it's just not fair to the defense right now. There's been a lot of illegal Men downfield penalties. There should be that more. Eagles Vikings game, right. week two. I mean, boom, boom, constantly, constantly, constantly. But the RPO is a big reason yep. for it. All right, so that that was a good call. See, that was a good call. Yeah. We're highlighting and allowing folks to understand why the call was made and why it needed to be made, and we're not saying it was bad. Here's Deontay Johnson, a touchdown catch that was ruled incomplete. Steelers ch- challenged it, easy for him to say, and the ruling was upheld. Let's have a look at this moment in the second quarter with the Jets up 10. Mitch Trubisky before he got taken out. Deontay Johnson back in the end zone. There's one. The second one drags, but I think the toes. The this on is a the good white. angle, right? This it's is... on the white. Look at so the great, great job with the second foot. Yeah. The first foot hits the white line. And watch when the first foot comes up. You can kind of see the divot come up on the white there as it goes and you could see that there's a divot on the white but that's the picture right there it's right there clear. that's it no that's doubt it. about it yep. i mean hey it's a- and, and again the ruling on the field was incomplete so it had to be clear and obvious that it was complete that it was a bad call to overturn it that's the key now here's the question if it had been ruled complete right and it would have done the yeah. automatic review would they have seen enough to overturn it? That one overhead look to me is enough. I think you I see agree. that foot on the white. Right. I, I'm with you. This one that's we're about to see here in a second, this is one where I'll steal your phrase where 
I I think fifty drunks in a bar definitely see that that touches Boom, the white right there. there. Right, that's it. And you could be they could be obliterated drunk, like on drink number ten <laughs> each, and they're still going to go. You know, that's, I don't know that's, about that. <laughs> Carrying around a bottle of forty two like Matthew Stafford at the Rams parade. And, uh, no, but it, that that's it. That's the still frame that tells you. Number one, you're not overturning a ruling on the field that it was incomplete. And number two, if it goes the other way, you quite possibly are saying, nope, we're overturning. It's clear and obvious that that foot is on the white stripe. As great of a job he did to get his feet down. I mean, these guys are wizards. Wizards. Their ability to get their feet in, to know where their bodies are in relation to the stripe. You know, when you're kids, you play that game. Passing the ball and try to get your two feet down yeah, wherever right, you come up right. with the line. It, it it is not an easy thing to do, and that second one's always the one we focus on. Sometimes the first one doesn't get planted in the right spot. Yeah, that's right. It, but you know, more times than not, that's it's you're, you're right. I'm more in amazement, and even there, I don't care what you say. I know it came out. He was out by an inch. It still was unbelievable body control and the ability to catch the ball, stop yourself, drag the feet, all of that, all the things that must go through your brain to make that happen are pretty impressive. Here's one that creates a little bit of a conflict, oh. Chris, because it involves his boy Blue being the beneficiary of a questionable roughing. Questionable. This is this Let's, is horse crap. Okay. okay. This is and, horrible. And at least it didn't happen in an important moment of the game. Yeah, it right. Wasn't tied twenty twenty with two minutes left. Oh wait, it was. Uh, Brandon Stevens with the hit, and he, he slowed down. I Exactly. Watch him slow down. I, and He's I, like, oh, he threw the ball. What am I supposed to do here? I know. And Allen, I believe, if we show this replay again, I believe sold it. Look, this guy's not that strong to lift Josh Allen off the ground. Josh Allen came off the ground and I think kind of threw his head back a little bit, right? I think he didn't hit him anywhere near the head, but he threw his head back a little bit, I think, to kind of... Sell yep. the sell it. That's why he's and pointing. immediately look pointing. Right, he's pointing he's, before he's even on the ground. He's not even on the ground. He's pointing. You know. Again, this goes into my. This is just. I, this is horrible. This is this is almost as bad as illegal talking to the quarterback too meanly. Now it's like illegal. You tackled him. I love Josh Allen. You know that. But I I'm not going to bow down from horrible horrible call here. That yes hey. changes the game. He's, he's, he's working the rules, though. That's a little Tom Brady. He's I hanging know. around Tom I'm not a little mad too at him. much. It's, it's rubbing off on him. <laughs> he's learning how to act. He's learning how to draw those fouls. And he's got the name now. He's got the cachet. Four years ago, he doesn't get that call. Josh Allen today, MVP candidate. Hey, we got to keep Josh Allen in the game. We can't have these hits on Josh Allen. Well, That's how you get the call. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do wonder, too, if this was a little bit of a makeup call, right? There was about – there was two plays during the game where he ran – and got hit in the head. And I don't think the Ravens players meant to do it. They were trying to get out of the way or whatever. But it's like, okay, but it doesn't matter. You still hit him in the head. And they didn't call it. And I remember during the game complaining, going, oh, it's, you know, it's Josh Allen. It's like the Lamar Jackson or the Cam Newton thing. People just, they don't, the refs don't care. They're like, he's big and strong. He's a beast. He'll be okay that they knocked his head off. I, I did wonder in that moment there if that was a little bit of a makeup call for I thought that were two missed calls earlier in the football game when he did run the ball. You know, n- not a bad point because that does happen. These guys look indestructible, and it makes the officials less inclined to throw the flag when they get banged around under circumstances where other quarterbacks easily and immediately would have right. drawn a penalty flag. We'll see if the Bills, with their victory over the Ravens, coming from 17 points behind, can vault back to the top Ooh. of the PFT 
power rankings. We'll take a look at those when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. The Pro Football Talk Power Rankings presented by Google Pixel. The all-important and completely non-binding effort to take the 32 teams in the NFL and compare them one after another. As we're getting deeper into the season, the, the moves aren't as dramatic, except for the Rams, who took a big plunge after looking not very good on Monday night. But, you know, Chris... I've seen other power rankings this week that have the Bills or the Chiefs at number one. I don't know how you justify that when the Eagles, number one, are undefeated and have been dominant every single week. Yeah, I don't either. I think that's that's like a no-brainer to me. Uh, I don't I don't understand that either. I don't know if that's the Josh Allen-Mahomes effect or whatever, but damn, Jalen Hurts is playing really good, and there's not a weakness on their football team. I think that's the big thing. I mean, we've seen their offense be dominant. We've seen the defense the last two weeks be dominant and, you know, take over a football game. So I'm with you. Clearly number one. I really think your top three, to me, are spot on. You know, again, maybe you could make the Chiefs two, Bills three. I would probably still go Bills two, Chiefs three. But uh, I'd, I, I'd have a hard time, you know, arguing your top three. I think that's pretty spot on. Now, after that... You can get into some conversations about how you can shuffle it around a little bit, but I think those are three clearly, clearly the three best teams in football right now. I, I don't have any question about that. Well, let's keep going farther down the stack because yeah. two of the top ten teams did not move. One after a win, the Packers stayed at four, and the Bucks after a loss stayed at number seven. Yeah, Do you have okay. an issue with either of those decisions? No, I don't. I think maybe, well, with Tua being hurt, if Tua was not hurt, I would have the Dolphins four and the Packers five. I don't know if that went into your reasoning there at all or anything. I do think the Dolphins have been more impressive than the Packers to this point. But I understand, too, the Packers, like, you know, been there, done that. It's Aaron Rodgers. They're they're in the playoffs every year, and they're a little more of a proven commodity. So I'm not, like, you know, up in arms and crazy about that. And then after that, I mean, I don't know. I love that you got the Cowboys six right there with the Buccaneers. I do. You know, the Buccaneers are going through a little bit of a struggle point right now, but you know, I don't think they're far off. I'm, 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 I'm with you there. I, I like a lot of the things you got there, and I like the, I really like your top ten altogether. I maybe would have the 49ers um, up there where the Ravens are at nine, and put the Ravens at eleven somewhere in there, but. You know, other than that, Mike, I'm, I think I would have my top 10 very similar to yours. Well, l let me just be very candid here in an effort to catch up with you in the S-bomb category. If the 49ers hadn't shit the bed against the Broncos, they would be higher. Because <laughs> I was looking at that saying, why are they number 11? Oh, yeah, they lost to the Broncos. Right. And I don't know how they lost to the Broncos. I remember thinking Monday night, does this mean the Broncos are good? When we were seeing the 49ers dismantle the Rams, like how, what happened in Denver to the 49ers? So they need to be more consistent. They are two and two. Right. And, uh, you know, they lost that ugly game in right. the monsoon in Chicago. Yep. And then they lost a game in, in Denver that they should have won. And I think they, they got a little complacent in that game. I think they thought they were going to win. And I think that's where the defense learned 
hey, we can't let there be any doubt here in the fourth quarter and expect Jimmy Garoppolo to try to save our asses because we just have to assume that he won't. Yeah, I I, I think that's, you know, what you're talking and saying there is we're talking about a team that's, the team is great. The quarterback can be head-scratching. I mean, week one and the monsoon, hey, it was a slop fest. We get that, but Trey Lance wasn't good. We know that. And then your, to your point in that Denver game, I mean, Denver's a good matchup for them, but I can tell you what happened in that football game. Jimmy Garoppolo was effing horrible. He was horrible. So it's hard to win a game when, you know, we've showed the highlight clips. There's two or three plays that are, whoa, game-changing, maybe walk-in touchdown moments that nothing happens. We walk out of the back of the end zone, right? There's, what, a, uh, you know, a, a bad interception, a few other missed throws where people are wide open. So that, that is the, the million-dollar question with them. It's just like, team's awesome. Quarterback play can be all over the place given on a, on a given week, and that, that's where they're annoying and frustrating, and, and it's interesting to see how they you know start to put this together here with Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's get a couple of questions before we take a break. Burt Burton 6 asks this one. The Patriots drop four spots, giving the Packers everything they can handle with their third-string quarterback. Why is that? And this is the very basic analysis that I engaged in. As I was looking at this, there are so many two-and-two two teams, so many two-and-two two teams right now. I'm not going to put any one-and-three team above them because everybody's had a chance to be two-and-two, two, and the Patriots haven't been good enough. They've won one game. They beat the Steelers. That's it. They've lost three other games. I decided I'm putting all the one-and-three teams below the two-and-two-two two teams. I don't care that you almost beat the Packers. You didn't beat the Packers. You had your chance, ball at midfield, after a three-and-out to start overtime, and you had a three-and-out, and then the Packers drove down the field and won the game. So you had your chance to be two-and-two, two, and you would have been a lot higher if you'd won that game, but you didn't. All the one-and-three teams, I put, and I usually won't do that. Like I don't, I, I don't let myself be overly tied to the records of the teams. Yeah. But on this one, I said there's too many two-and-two two teams all of the teams worse than two and two are going to be ranked below whoever you are if you're two and two. I yeah, I understand that, and then right now it's it's just potential. Like I mean, we, I think we think the Patriots except for the Lions. You know be... what though? Are the Lions two and two? No, they're no, one and they're three. One Never and mind. Three. They're all one and three. All these teams are one and three or worse that are below the uh, Bears, who are the last of the teams at two and two. Right, right. The Bears. I know the the Bears are the Bears are two and two, which is ugly. That would probably be the one I'd put them in front of. There, I just go. I'm going to put the Patriots in front of them. I know they're two and two, but they've they've tried their hardest to be you know, one and three and zero oh and four. And I don't I don't see Justin Fields is a little concerning with his play right now, definitely. And they're just not an overly talented football team either. To where I'd probably put the Patriots in front of them. Um, but I I I hear you. You know, again, the Patriots. You know, I'm not sure either. There's issues. You know, there's a lot of things to like, but. You know, Mac Jones wasn't v- real good the first few weeks. He was careless with the football. They made some mistakes offensively as a whole. You know, and yeah, it was a valiant effort. But you know, you don't get to move up the power rankings because of a valiant effort with a, a third string quarterback. One more question, Sam Bivalent one with the Vikings looking so inconsistent. How many years into Kevin O'Connell's tenure until he starts looking for Kirk Cousins' replacement? And is Florio already sending him? possibilities look they're already looking i all those viking fans that wanted to get rid of kirk cousins the problem was what's your alternative who are you going to get to be better than kirk cousins who was out there this year trade for russell wilson bullet dodge there 
right? With everything you would have had to give up, he wouldn't have been an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. You're not going to have a franchise quarterback fall out of the sky to magically replace Kirk Cousins. He's good enough to win some games. He's not going to win all games. They're at least two games above 500 for the first time in a long time. They could go to 4-1 and one if they can manage to beat the Bears at home this weekend. And you just try to hold on at that point and win enough games to get to the playoffs and maybe win the wild card round and then get the crap kicked out of you in the divisional round. That's kind of how it goes for the Vikings. That's the best possible year for the Vikings. Win 12 games or 11 games, win in the wild card round, and lose in the divisional round to a much better team like the Eagles or the Rams or the Buccaneers or the Cowboys. That's kind of how it's going to go for the Vikings this year. Yeah, I I don't disagree with with that, you know, but I I think they're, you know, playing better than expectations for sure. And you're right. I mean, Kirk Cousins is like the least of the, you know, he's not a problem. And there's not, you're right. It's just another guy where I know everybody wants Mahomes and Allen and Lamar Jackson and all that, but, you know, there's just only a few of those to go around. And, and then you get into outside the top seven, eight, ten quarterbacks. Okay, you get into the Kirk Cousins conversation where I go, you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Yes, but it's not going to be like we play through him and he carries the team type of win Super Bowl. It's going to be more like, hey, we run the ball and – you know, we play defense, and we have a really good system, and he's smart and knows how to execute it, and occasionally we get a one-on-one with Justin Jefferson, and he hits a bomb down the field. That's what that is, and you you can win that way. You can. I mean, again, if Jared Goff can get to the Super Bowl, so can Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins just hasn't had the luxury of having Sean McVay and the Rams superstars around him to get there, and and I think that's, you know, the bottom line for me. That was the very candid remark that Vikings GM Quesia Dofomensa made in the offseason that made a stir, even though he, he spoke the truth. We don't have Tom Brady. We don't have Patrick Mahomes. We right. have Kirk Cousins. Right. And, and that's the way it is. But you know what? Your guy Kyle Shanahan would be working on Super Bowl number two, maybe number three. That's what I mean. He had Kirk Cousins. Exactly right. Sometimes it's just, you know, the opportunity and how the, the world shapes up for you a little bit. And, you know, again, we have we have a lot of – we have a lot of, like, Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl. I know. And we're always going to give him that mantle. So what? It wasn't like they wouldn't have done it without him. I mean, it was the defense. It was great special teams. You know, he handed the ball off and made a play every now and then. It's not the realm of, oh, quarterback carried us to a Super Bowl type of thing. And there's other thing, other teams and quarterbacks we could talk about that, too. So that's where I just, you know, I get a little annoyed with the subject sometimes. Sometimes you do got to build a team around the guy. You can't always have Elway and Marino and, you know, uh, superstars at quarterback. Every coach in the NFL is going to have regrets, but I would suspect that the biggest regret that Kyle Shanahan has, I don't know, maybe it's not taking Patrick Mahomes, but shortly behind that would be not just waiting another half of a season and getting Kirk Cousins as a free agent instead of getting Jimmy Garoppolo because how different – his life would have been the past few years if he had a guy who can make those throws that are open, that fuel the offense that Kyle Shanahan has designed, that will work to perfection with a quarterback who can make those basic, easy throws. Kirk Cousins can make those throws. The ones we always say about Jimmy Garoppolo, what the hell was he doing? Right. Kirk can make those throws. No doubt. It's just the other moments where it becomes an issue. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the latest on the question of whether Cameron Brait, the Buccaneers tight end, should have been removed immediately from the Sunday night game against the Chiefs after his head struck the torso of teammate Chris Godwin. We'll tell you what the NFL and the NFLPA had to say about that issue when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. 
Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Headline from last night at ProFootballTalk.com. Once we got a statement from the NFL and also confirmation from the NFLPA that they support the NFL's conclusion here regarding the decision to allow Cameron Brait to return to action on Sunday night after he suffered an apparent, air quotes, blow to the head. Here's the NFL's statement. Immediately following the game, the NFL contacted team and unaffiliated medical personnel to gather information concerning the injury sustained by Tampa Bay's Cameron Brait. The league reviewed the information with the NFL Players Association. Based on the standardized game day reports, it is clear to both parties that the spotters in the booth concluded that Brait was hit in the shoulder and therefore did not trigger the concussion protocols. As soon as medical personnel identified concussion symptoms, they removed Brait from the game. That's the NFL's position, and they're apparently sticking to it, even though our lying eyes may suggest otherwise. And look, I understand this is a delicate time for the NFL's concussion protocols with the Tua Tonga-Vailoa situation, and they're taking a closer look at whether or not the protocols need to be changed, and they're probably having some doubt as to whether or not this system even works. That doesn't mean you ignore reality when another example of a failed application of the system lands right in front of you. And that's exactly what I believe the NFL and the NFLPA are doing here. The kitchen is already too hot. We don't want the heat to go up any higher. So we are going to embrace some good old-fashioned alternative facts here. He hit his shoulder. When we know, the millions who watched the game, 22 million, if you were watching the game, as the two spotters in the booth should have been doing because they were receiving a paycheck for this purpose and this purpose only, to watch for signs of someone who needs to be checked for a potential head injury. Chris, I don't know what else Cameron Brait needed to have to do in this moment to cause someone to say whose job it is to monitor the game for the potential for an injury that needs to be evaluated. He hit his head. I, am I losing my mind here? I, I, I he mean, hits his head. He hits, he his, hits head his head right into the right squarely into the chest of Chris Godwin. And then, if we want to go back and show the original replay one more time, I mean, showed laid on the ground, and then got up and did look a little wobbly, but not like crazy wobbly. But what we got to watch here too is when he's running to the sidelines. He runs into the ref, like unaware that the ref was in front of him. Watch as this plays out. So first off, you're right. You know, he got his head went right into the chest of Chris Godwin at full speed. Now watch as this plays out. Look, little wobbly. Look at this. Here's a hey, putting my head down. Oh, hey, he ran into the ref. He didn't even know he was standing in front of him. That would be a, like a thing for me on the sideline to go, wait, he's a little discombobulated. He doesn't know where he is. Like well, and they had to get him off the field because they're in no huddle. They know he can't continue. Get him off the field. Right. Go, go. Right. He's gone. And Mike Tirico said it. Oh, he's going to go get checked out on the sideline, but he didn't. And that's what's astounding to me. The flow chart that the NFL has out there—they call it the game day concussion checklist. It starts with player receives impact to the head. Then 
After that, the protocol is activated if the player shows symptoms or reports symptoms or if one of the seven different categories of people who have the power to say initiate the protocol, team members, coaches, officials, but also there's a spotter in the booth who is a certified athletic trainer and another spotter in the booth who is unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. There are two people in the booth watching the action. And I remember when they first did this, I thought, boy, you know, it's going to be difficult because there may be some contact away from the play sometime. How are you really focusing on the entire field? You, you, you know, you may miss some things. You aren't going to miss this one. When the guy who has the ball is the one who hits his head into a teammate, it's not something you miss. So, yeah, okay, it's clear that they I, – I, I, don't, I don't even want to read it again. Well, I don't I, – I, I, like, I understand you feel like you're under siege right now. This doesn't make it any better, NFL. How are you standing for this? How is the union standing for this? I, with all the, all the rhetoric we've seen from the union about Tuatonga-Vailoa, how is there no rhetoric about this? I think they understand, Chris. There's a point. And, and I'm reluctant to say this because, look, my, I've got a direct financial interest in the continuation of the NFL. I don't want it to go away. I don't want it to be diminished. I don't want it to become two-hand touch. But I think this is one of those where you just got to acknowledge it's kind of impossible to catch all of them. And, yeah, maybe one of these days there's going to be a guy who has a concussion and he gets back in the game and he gets another head injury and he has a serious outcome and we're just going to have to deal with it when it happens. And I hate that that's where we are. And there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. Because if that's ever going to happen, it shouldn't happen in a situation like this where we all saw the guy hit his head into a teammate. Well, that's If the you're not going to press the button right. then, when else are you going to miss the button? No, hey, listen, it's hard. I understand that. You know, it is grown men. They're trying to say they want to play like we talk about all that time, all that, all, you know, everything that surrounds that conversation. You're not going to catch them all, to your point. You're not. It, it, it's still at the end of the day. I, I, again, I, you know, I... I Talk to people here. This ain't the Boy Scouts. This ain't two in touch. Most guys know what they signed up for. They've been they've been signing up and begging for this for a long time. So you know, I, I don't you know I know all the more reason all the more reason to protect them. It, it is all the, all the more reason that those spotters have an obligation when they see a guy's head hit a teammate's chest and he flops onto the ground and he gets up and he runs into an official and your job is there to watch the action on the field constantly monitor for signs of distress that were. Prior concussion protocol. We're not saying take him out of the game and shut him down. This isn't a Tua situation where he should have been prevented from coming back in that moment, although they later determined, oh, look at this. He has a concussion. Imagine that. Maybe he did hit his head. All we're saying is he should have been checked then, right. not at halftime, right. when he says, I'm not feeling right, but because he got back in the game. Right. He had the ball thrown to him twice. He almost hit his head on the goalpost for crying out loud. After one of those plays. So, yeah, if this system is ever going to work, the people who are being paid, and I remember hearing things about, I said this yesterday, but this is when you were trying to get a microphone that worked. When Coach Madden was involved as a consultant, he was very vigilant about this stuff. And if there were moments like the the Rams-Ravens game where Case Keenum went into the fencing posture and nobody said we need to check this guy, Madden's attitude was, if these people can't get it done, fire them. 
and find other people who can. Well, I know everybody and else is fired in the NFL except for people like that. It seems yeah. like more time. And, and than co- not, you know, Coach Dungy, Coach Dungy, and I have been talking about this repeatedly the past few days. He said I could put my son Justin in the booth, and he would have known to press the button on that one for a concussion protocol. This isn't a difficult one to spot to say we need to check this guy. Well, the the the, the biggest point and the biggest picture here, and and like you said, you're not going to catch it all, but th- this is one that was front and center, and everybody right could there. see it, and. Like, my my big thing is, like, you know, the little phrase called read the room. I mean, yeah. understand the weekend you're in here. The weekend was trumped by a Thursday night concussion that was as visually uh, shocking, disturbing as any we'd ever seen. The NFL lost fans this weekend. They lost fans. I've, I've got friends who, you know, were football fans, not the diehard ones, but... You know, hey, and they, like, I, I had to turn the game off. I'm done. I'm done. You know, the NFL, it's just too crazy, too brutal. All right? I mean, so there was there was a lot of parents, a lot of dads, you know, sitting in the in the game, in the the game family room watching the game on Thursday night with their kids and the mom telling them, turn it off. This is crazy. This is disturbing. I mean, a lot of that going on. I've had, like, three people at the gym tell me that last night. So within that, you would think – Hey, let's sound a memo to all teams. Anything even close this weekend, get them off the field, check them out. That's where I'm shocked. I'm just shocked that, like you said, it wasn't evaluated right away and it took him to come to them, you know, for that evaluation to start. And let me just say this because we pride ourselves on being real and authentic and being honest with the audience. I believe that the NFL and the union are working together to brush this one under the rug because if it becomes a thing – what you're talking about, Chris, is a snowball that starts rolling a little bit more and more people start saying, how safe is this game for my kids, really? If they can't properly police the sport at the highest levels and if the spotters who are being paid to spot when someone's head slams into a teammate's chest can't do it in real time, how can we trust our children to whatever apparatus the local public school system has in place to protect them from second impact syndrome from which they could die on the field? So, and I was trying to have this conversation with somebody from the union yesterday because it's like, I know you're there to protect the players, but at a certain level, you got to protect the game because if something happens to the game, that kind of affects the players. It kind of affects the union. If all of a sudden the NFL hits a brick wall and it has no supply of players and you're, you're just you're finding guys who did other things, played other sports, and you got to teach them how to play football at the age of 23, that's not ideal for the game. So, that, I, Chris, that's the only reasonable explanation for it. It's either complete and total ineptitude about which they're lying or they just don't want another controversy immediately on the heels of Tua Tonga Vailoa. They want people to not notice it. They would prefer that we not talk about it, but I'm sorry. You got to embrace the truth. You got to own the truth and you got to deal with the truth because you're only going to cause more problems for yourself if you tell lies to people. And I'm sorry. And this is equal on the league and the union. We reject. I reject. Chris, I'll let you speak for yourself. I reject. And I wrote this last night. I reject what you told me. It's false. And you need to be truthful with yourself with us as your partners and with everybody else who cares about the game. We know what we saw. You lose credibility with everyone when you don't admit what everyone else saw. Yeah, I'm with Man, you there, oh. Mike. Well said. Well said. All right, let's take a break. More PFT Live presented by Google Pixel right after this. 
You know, Wednesday is the morning when the NFL issues its various players of the week. So we do our own now at PFT. We got five categories. Offensive, defensive, rookie of the week, coach of the week, and play of the week. Chris, I'm going to see if you can guess in the time that we have left. This is how we fill on those rare occasions where we have a little extra time. Who was the PFT offensive player of the week? Oh, that's I, I'm sitting here looking at this right now, and I'm really like in a in a in a spot here because nobody really jumps out to me to where I just go, wow, it's definitely that guy, offensive player of the week. I'll go with Rashad Penny. I went with Geno Smith. Same team. Okay. Right good. church, wrong pew. I like that. I went I with like Geno. That. Give him a little love. We also acknowledge Josh Jacobs, Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson. Defensive player of the week. Wow. Defensive player of the week. Am I missing somebody really obvious here? I'm, try- I'm looking at the, 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 the week's the slate of games here. Hold on. Give me a second here. Defensive player of the week. It's got to be Hassan Riddick, right, for the, for the Eagles? Well, I, I – I, it's uh, Talanoa Hufanga from the 49ers. Okay, that, that was a good one. Breaking pick six. So. Right. And, and I should have mentioned Reddick. Yeah. We have Nick Bosa, Jordan Poyer, Von Bell, and Rashawn Gary. I should have mentioned Reddick, and I may actually edit the file and put his name in there. Rookie of the week, who would you give it to? Mm, rookie of the week. Um, the one that just comes in my head right off the bat is like Damian Pierce. He's one of the ones that we mentioned. I went with Bailey Zappi just because okay. he got pressed into service sure. at Lambeau Field, played well, didn't have big numbers, but but played well, acquitted himself well, and it really would have been memorable if they had won that game. Real quickly, Coach of the Week. All right, well, first off, Coach of the Week. Coach of the Week. Um, I want to – I'm going to say you went Andy Reid. No, I went with our guy Robert Sala. Oh, that's Down a good one. points in Pittsburgh, fourth Definitely. quarter after – and I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes extend it beyond a week. They pulled off the win in Cleveland, right? Down more, thirteen with two minutes left. So to to go two and two against the four teams of the AFC North, yeah, very impressive. Pretty good. Play of the week, play we talked about earlier. Exactly. A lot of people would say the Debo play because it was the thing that happened Monday night. Right. It was amazing. It was the Patrick Mahomes. I agree. We've seen Debo do that before. We've never seen anybody do what Mahomes No, a 360 alley-oop dunk touchdown pass? Never. See you tomorrow, everybody. See you. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people.